This is Vixen John, creator of Minute Made New York, and you're listening to Minutes Heard. On this episode of Minutes Heard, I continue to highlight more dope people in the music space, specifically stories from artists and people who are involved in hip-hop, even my own brother-in-law, who's a well-known DJ. I had the chance to sit down with these individuals and get to know more about who they are and their motivations in making or playing music for others to hear. Sit back and take a listen. I usually like to ask uh, what motivates you to wake up every day and make the best of it. You just woke up, so... <laughs> I mean, just hop out of the bed and what, what motivates you to just like keep grinding? Um, I believe what motivates me most is the concept that I want to live what I love and love what I live every day. And uh, I lived in a in a home for a long time where people did not believe that they could pursue their passions. And they kind of just had to fall short into whatever society told them was the norm. And um, so every day I try to go against that and tell myself that I have to do this because I have to prove to my mother and my father and the rest of my family that you could actually make a great living off of what you have a passion about and love. I believe this. <laughs> I'm going to ask this question differently. The question is, what are you passionate about in your life? But I'm going to reverse that, sure. flip it, remix it. <laughs> if you were to be running for president, what would be like your major platform? Like... It can be anything. It doesn't have to be something political, but, like, what would be your platform of life? Um, when you say platform, what do you mean exactly? Like, you know, like, Obama was like, you know, Medicare, and, yo, change is coming, and, you know, Hillary's on this new... I don't even know what she's about. Not about <laughs> <laughs> I can't even tell you. But, like, everyone has a platform. Everyone has, I like, think... yo, when you think L.A., I think blank, because that's what she's about. Um, I think my platform would be um, shifting the paradigm, especially within hip-hop, and um, balancing it out more than ever. Right now, I feel like music is, um, especially hip-hop, is not in its most balanced form. I think we have a lot of male energy within it that is causing the chaos that's going on within it. And... um, I think right now, if anything, if I was going for hip hop president, um, I would be, I would be discussing giving shifts to the paradigm of music and giving more of a highlight on the feminine energy and her story. So, what is your perspective of the world in front of you based on what you see and hear? Hopeful or hopeless? Getting better or worse? And why? I think. The world's getting better. Well, at least I tell myself that every day. Um, I really have transformed and reprogrammed my mind to not live under the, you know, basically the cynicism and just like the, the idea that everything is going wrong in a ray. I really do believe that how the world works is that, you know, there's going to be chaos and there's going to be peace and there's going to be chaos and there's going to be peace. But over, over line, that is just, that is just balancing out everything, like I said before. So I really believe that things are getting better. And the more we tell ourselves 
the better and the good and we start reflecting and speaking about the good more the more that will grow so I really try to give positivity even though you know I'm gonna be honest about things I'm going to like transform that like if it is negativity into positivity every time so um in my mind when I see the world I tell myself that this is going to be better and this is going to be good and it is good what do you want to be remembered for um that was like I want to be remembered for being the girl that you could chill with on the stoop that has superpowers. Like the girl from Brooklyn who's like just mad cool and anyone could talk to her. But then like you see her on a stage and she transforms into this whole other being. I think that's what I want to be remembered for. And also just someone that the future could reflect upon as um, an honest individual who had a story to tell and lived out that story. If you want to, share an interesting story about yourself. Example, something that you haven't told anyone that you don't mind sharing. It's just like a secret. So probably not something you haven't told anyone. Um, but just like a, oh, name one of your like most recent craziest experiences performing in the sense of like, either emotional or like, yo, this guy tried, I don't know, freestyling with me or filling in blank. I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. But what are those like crazy stories? Um, it's like, yo, I'll never forget the time when blank, blank, blank. My favorite recent story was when we did the Black Panther um, costume party out in flat, oh no, in Atlantic Avenue, um, at Kimberly Project, shout out to Kimberly Project. And um my homegirl, my homegirl, Boston Cherry, she always used to say, Yo, I can beat box. Like, and I was like, You could beat box? And she's like, No, dead ass, I could beat box, like, on some real. And I was like, So do it. And she never did it. So the music was failing at the show, as New York shows do. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I guess let's do no music. And Boston Cherry got on the mic and started beatboxing. Like, I couldn't even believe how nasty she was. Like, she was like a real beatboxer. And so I started spitting over her beatboxing. And it was just like, it was just pure joy. Um, and I was like, yo, can we do this every show? And she was just like, nah, this is a surprise, surprise. But she's, I was just like, that's so dope because it was so raw. And um, it was exactly like when I used to watch like Lauren Hill and the Cypher with the boys. And it felt like that same energy coming right back. And um, that's, I probably will never forget that moment because it was such a authentic hip hop moment for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> I see how it came back to you it's like yeah that shit was crazy that was mad dope <laughs> it was mad dope I have a lot of those moments but that shit recently was just like yo that was really dope yeah weird what motivates you to wake up every day and be fresh um I just think of the legacy that comes before me uh of, 
people who have paved the way uh, and who have had enormous struggle to get me to get us where we are here artistically and as a people and I, I think of my own personal legacy my uh, I guess artistic footprint and imprint that I leave behind me um, so those are the things that motivate me and 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 make me want to get up and strive to do my absolute best. I know I rattled off those questions earlier, but you, sometimes I just kind of like freestyle it because it's like, I mean, some of the questions are cool, but I also like to kind of dive into specifically like what you do and stuff. So, um, and you're not looking at them too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't do both at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know what? Because I feel like. I feel like I want to ask, like, yo, talk about how you got to music. It's so, so white, right? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like there's more to somebody than their beginning, you know? Um, so, what I want to ask is, from the time you started till now. Oh, no. That's the L-I-R-R. Yeah, that's the Long Island Railroad right outside. Um, yeah, so the question I want to ask is, from you beginning music to now, like, what have you seen in the sense of, like, changes? Like, what have been some of the major changes uh, from when you started to now that you've seen in your music? I think the most significant changes that I've seen since I began creating music uh, have, have been technological ones, and they've changed the way that... I both create and think about music exponentially. Um, primarily, the, the the biggest one being the advent of the of the internet and the information age, and how quickly information travels, and and the big business behind social media. Um, the internet, in effect, took away the job of the A and R to a certain degree. Before, there used to be a gatekeeper, someone who said yo, you're talented enough to get to this level, and then they would let you in. That that level may have been radio. That la that level may have been booking. That level may have been independent record label deciding that you were talented enough to put out music or that you were commercially viable enough to put out music, but the advent of the internet age sort of removed that job, and almost anyone with a recording set up uh, and the internet could now get their music out to millions via the www the world wide web so before there used to be these people in place who worked as gatekeepers to ensure that you got your music out to the masses now that job is somewhat absolute obsolete rather you know now that job is obsolete i just said it over so you yeah. <laughs> to cut that up <laughs> no i mean um, i could chop it up like yeah. yeah so now that job is obsolete and and we don't we don't necessarily need need them and that that change has changed so much and it, it and it's forced uh it's forced independent artists to become very savvy uh, it's also tainted the process somewhat because whereas that would be the sole responsibility of a third party like an a and r now independent artists have to be really cognizant of their commercial viability and the ways to which they get their mu music out to the masses which i feel impacts the creativity, you know, you're making music, uh, obviously from a place of, you know, artistic expression, but at the same time now you have to be cognizant of who you're, 
who your market is and how you market yourself because you that role you can take on that role yourself via the internet so now are you making music because you're a, you know this is your artistic expression purely or are you making a certain kind of music because you're now aware of where your key demographic is or who you'd like your key demographic to be and you're basing it on what's popular via via metrics you know there's a lot there's a lot to play and and that I think that's really influenced the music too you know as a, you know we used to get very uh idealistic and unique artists uh because you know th there was this artistic expression and you had this this longing and this need to want to uh separate yourself and be different and be better but now it almost seems as though the trend is how can i be as much as this guy who's really popular right now and just throw my own spin on what he's doing so it's it's that's been amazing to watch you know because um I'm a lot older than I look, so I come from an era of, of hip-hop when it was really idealistic, and and so that change has been interesting to see, and, I, and is what's also been interesting to see is how people adapt to it, how artists of my caliber or, or artists that come from different eras adapt to this new scene of music. Word. And um, with all these changes, like, does it come off as, I don't want to say scary, but come off as alarming that not even alarming. It's not really like a scare tactic, but the concept of somebody having the power to kind of like uh, curate their own, I guess, brand when it comes to music. You know what I'm saying? In comparison to like having those gatekeepers, as you said earlier, having the, I guess, the say mm -hmm. to say like what's good or, or not, yay or nay. You know what I'm saying? Now that it's well, a little bit more open, you know, it kind of leaves, it's, it's kind of like saturated. Like there's, yeah. Can do the, it. The music, the music market is definitely saturated now. It's oversaturated, which is both a blessing and a curse. Uh, it, I think with the in, the advent of the internet age, I think it gave a lot of power to artists to be independent. You know, you think about it now. What do you need a label for to press upload for you? And you know, and it's to a certain degree, like, um, and I think that's a beautiful thing to be able to have. Uh, direct to consumer, like especially something as revolutionary as Bandcamp, you know, like where whereby you can put your discography out and it's direct to consumer, and those sales are reflected directly to your bank account, and you can also on the back end of that site see the metrics, see where people are are visiting or checking for your music from, and see how many sales you have, and you can effectively run a business that way, and that business being your craft, your music. Um, but what what we've lost is uh, quality control. You know, the the quality control has gone down significantly. Quality control is is near nil. You have I always say you have to wade through like waist high muck to find the gems now. You know, whereas before there was almost a sieve. There was a there was a great in place that you had to, you, you know, it, it caught the really good things. And that was the, that was the, uh, that was the A&R, I guess, or, you know, certain people. You, you think of the, the, the guys that managed it or found like De La Soul and the guys that found, you know, all these artists, you know, from this 
different eras. Who's the guy responsible for Busta Rhymes? Who's the guy responsible for, you know, finding a young Nas? You know, who's the guy responsible for fostering those careers? Now there's no guy responsible for that. There's the internet that's responsible for that. What's the trending look on Tumblr? You know, what's the trending look on this and that and third? So there's no real quality control. There's no, there's no one to say this is the good level of art or this is a bad level of art. It's all absolutely subjective. You know, it's like, really? I like this. You know, and that's a and it's a it's a gift and a curse. Well, because right now I think I mean right now we're in the generation where it's like everything's variety. Everyone likes. You know, pick and choose. It's like a smorgasbord of stuff. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like before, it's like everything was kind of catered. Like, yo, you know, we know the type of like sound that people want to hear, so let's get people that cater to that sound. Now it's like there's so much sounds out there. You know what I'm saying? Like all these artists, as you were saying before, people like cater their sounds to sound like a specific person or like go in a different in a certain direction so they can target that particular artist that they're trying to trying to market to. You know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like creating a dish. But like changing up an ingredient here and there just to get a different flavor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, it's still the same dish. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's what a lot of artists, I feel, are doing now these days. And, you know, especially with the internet, it's kind of like heightened because it's like you just have so much um, versions of the same thing. And it's like, how do you read through that? You know, but some people like that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? That's what they cater to. Um, sorry, that was just me commenting. Now we're just talking. <laughs> yeah. That was me uh, commenting. Um, all right. So, next question. Uh, just all right. So just kind of get it back to personal. Um, all right, just get this out of the way. So, what is uh, recall recent or whatever? Recall your most memorable or one of your most memorable, I guess, moments when it comes to like music or performing or as an artist that you can recall. It could be ever. Or it could be like just like one that kind of pops into your head. Um. I guess uh, the most, one of the most memorable things that's happened was a couple of years ago, I, I, I toured Europe for the second time, this time for a month. And um, I went to uh, London, uh, I went to Berlin, Brussels, Budapest. It was amazing, you know, and I, and I traveled with my friends and created music and it was really eye-opening in the, in the sense that... Um, how global the culture of hip hop is, you know, and how we take it for granted. We take what what comes as very second nature, and and sort of pedestrian hip hop has become here. Overseas, it's not as much. It's still there's still some novelty and there's still some reverence to it, you know. What I'd say there's more novelty here and more reverence there actually, but. It's a healthy mix. It's a healthier dose of it overseas, and and as an as an indie artist, that was that was really eye opening, and it was definitely memorable, and definitely one of the top moments of my career, and I look forward to being able to duplicate that process around the globe. You know, not just in Europe, but I'd like to visit markets that a lot of MCs don't really. Uh, challenge themselves to go, especially independent ones like South America or, or um, even Africa. You know, and even just visiting different continents, even not even countries, just visiting different continents and traveling, 
and and I think travel is a key component. <clears throat> travel is a key component to being to being an artist because you be you need a global worldview. You need it's you definitely need a, a global perspective to to sort of create music on on many levels. You know, if you live in one place your whole life and never travel and never to do your craft outside of your your comfort zone, I don't think you'll ever really grow as an artist. Yeah. Um, going back to that whole, um, just the concept of like hip hop being global, I feel like, you know, it, 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 hip hop is a universal thing. You know what I'm saying? So throughout the world, no matter where you go, I feel like it's America's be, biggest export at the moment. Exactly. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have you know, as I said, in the places that you went to in Europe. Even when I went to Paris, like hip hop is big over there in certain areas. So, and I also feel like when it comes to I guess the Arab hip hop, like you, I feel like you see in European countries and these other countries, like there's obviously uh, what's the word? They hold on to I guess like classic hip hop type stuff because they there's more of a reverence for for. Yeah, there's more of a reference for classic hip hop. And I feel like nineties hip hop specifically. Right. And um your opinion or just kinda of asking, do you feel that it that's the case because like in the sense of the music being exported, they got it probably oh like they picked up on hip hop at a, like a later time. Of course. You know what I'm saying? So obviously that's what they kinda of like gravitate towards to. Or I mean, because now with the internet now you know bigger impact. Bigger impact. but when when hip hop made it overseas it made it overseas in the 90s. It didn't pick up steam in the in late 80s, early 90s because um, people weren't 100% sure whether this art form was going to legitimize, be be legitimate. And they considered it a fad initially. Like, will it stay? Will it go? You know, like, hard to say. People were very, were hesitant to fully recognize it. The powers that be were really hesitant to fully recognize it. But it was undeniable. You know what I mean? It, it, it represented youth culture and it represented culture in general to such a degree that it was undeniable. But by the time a lot of other countries got it, we we had been evolving already since then. But the impact that that, that it initially made is, is probably the longest lasting um, in the, I would say probably 92 to 96 that sound, that sound was very distinct. Every every scene in hip hop had its most had some of its most distinct moments between that time, not between ninety two and maybe ninety six, ninety eight. The latest, you know, like really impactful albums, you know, Wu Tang, Tribe, Outkast, um, you know, Jay Z, Biggie, Pop, Nas. You know what I mean? Those were key. That's like those key era. Those nineties were very key for a lot of those uh, iconic uh, MCs and acts. You know what I mean? Missy Elliott, N.E.R.D. Um, you know, it, the list goes on. So the impact that's those the, and those are our icons. Those are our celebrities in hip hop, and they dropped it. They're they they were at the height. They're at the pinnacle of their success from ninety two to ninety eight. Some of them a little bit afterwards, but. That impact is is really strongly felt there, so uh, yeah. So you know what what happens is you romanticize you romanticize it when something has that. There's a re in my opinion, in my opinion, 
I think Nas is a great MC. Do I think he's one of the greatest? No, there's still things that, that he's missing, in my opinion, to be a greatest. I think he's a great MC. But at the time when Illmatic dropped, the impact that it left on people, it, there was nothing like it up until that point. Right. You know what I mean? So, and, and every generation has their version of Illmatic, too. You know, like every every generation has that one impactful artist or one impactful album that has them like whoa what motivates you to like wake up every day and like grind and get to it and like make it happen uh, what motivates me um i don't like working for nobody <laughs> simple plan i mean music is my life i've been doing this 20 years now and i worked in the music industry for four years and as great as it was as far as all the stuff that I learned, it was the worst four years of my life. Just because I had to, I was on somebody else's time, and I had to work on somebody else's clock. And when I thought about it, if I worked as hard doing my own thing, I would make as much money, if not more, than what I was making on the 9 to 5, pretty much. Or 9 to 9, it wasn't even 9 to 5. But yeah, it's just uh, not one not to work, work uh, for anybody, and just one to be able to create a platform for other people in my position, DJs in the future, as well as artists. Um, because a lot that even though there are a lot of opportunities in the in, in the music industry, there aren't a lot of opportunities. So I had I had the potential to give people those platforms. I mean, we're already doing it with the station and everything else and with you know what I've done in the past with mixtapes and everything. But it's giving people a platform, an artist a platform so that they can be heard and kinda of be that in between between uh the labels and and radio stations, pretty much. So basically, like you're surrounded by music, like like basically twenty four seven. Twenty four seven. Right. It's like oh is that, is that like time. overwhelming, or is it like you're used to it by now? I mean, how like what are the challenges of like being surrounded by music twenty four seven? Like, does it jade you, or are you like inspired by it? Is that like um, jade me how? Well, no. I mean, just like in the sense of what you hear. Like, I mean, is it like yo, like. Like, music is, like, you know, like, getting somewhere. Is it, like, damn, like, this is just, like, the same shit over and over? <laughs> um, I mean, it's second nature for me, but, yeah, it's, I mean, a lot of it is very repetitive, but I I don't listen to just what's being played on the radio. So it's, like, like I, like I have a pretty large catalog of options of music that I listen to and stuff that I look for. Than most people, and even even the, um, with my station, like the flexibility I have to play what I want, where I don't have to. Even though we're a hip hop station, if I wake up in the morning to do my show and I'm in a R and B mood, that show might be an all R and B mix, and nobody's gonna say nothing about it because it still it still has the essence of hip hop in it because of the, the essence of the DJ actually mixing it, as opposed to, you know, just like how terrestrial radio is. As opposed to how terrestrial terrestrial radio is, where they have to um, they have to pretty much go by the playlist, and that's why a lot of stuff is really repetitive. It's like, okay, here's uh, Migos, here's Young Thug, here's another record that sounds like Migos and Young Thug, here's Lil Wayne, here's Drake. You know, in the midst of all that, you lose a lot of quality artists. Like you don't get as many J Coles on the radio. 
you know, so we, we actually have the opportunity to actually play what we want. So I don't get jaded because I look for something different. I, like, I know the I have a sound that I know that I want to hear and I want to play. So I look for those sounds. Now, don't get me wrong. Every once in a blue moon, something that will come through that's left field that will surprise us. And that's the refreshing part. But, you know, nowadays it's so far and few. It's like, got to take what you can get. But, yeah, I don't I don't get jaded. Like I said, I've been doing this for so long. It's, a lot of it is expected. You know, like I can, 90% of the time I have an artist coming here that I've never heard before. And um, before I've, I get two seconds in the conversation talking to them, I'll know, I, I can kind of vibe what their music's going to sound like. You know, I can feel how, the, I can, just off their energy, I can feel, all right, this guy's going to sound like Migo as soon as I put the record in. You know, and even with that, every once in a blue moon, an artist will surprise you. But, you know, everything from the image to how they talk to, you know, it, it's, I mean, you learn, it's like, it's hard, it's kind of like a sixth sense. Like, you learn how to read people and read read the music in advance. So, yeah, so, that's what it is. So, when it comes to DJing, because uh, obviously you've been doing that for a while, like, just off the top of your head, like, just like account like one of the craziest mem- most memorable DJing moments that you could think of it could be recent it could be like yo there's this one time I was DJing at this party and dot 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 and shit was like out of this world something like that um most memorable or the the most memorable to me was um I was in Japan my mom lived in Japan, so I um, went over there to visit, and I ended up playing at a couple of menus over there. And uh, the store, it was a clothing store out there that was selling my mixtapes, cassettes back then. So uh, what I did was um, the guy, well, the guys from the store actually were acting as my tour guy, and they they got me booked for these clubs. So when I went to meet him, I went to meet the guy at the store. He's got um, a crowd of like. Had to be like at least 40, 50 kids outside the store in a circle, like, hey, we know you dancing and singing. Hey, your DNA dancing and singing. That was crazy to me because this is maybe two, three years into my DJ career. I still suck. I wasn't even good yet. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't a dope DJ yet. So I was just still learning in a sense. But just the fact that my, my mixtapes were over there and, you know, it was something that they didn't ha- have a lot of at the time there. So it was like, I guess I was kind of like a breath of fresh air. And, you know, they love hip-hop and they respect the music so much more. But that was, like, the most memorable to me because that was just like, wow, this thing could really be worldwide for me. You know, not, I mean, I understand the music's already worldwide, but me as a DJ, my career can really be worldwide. And that's probably one of the most memorable moments. Um, other than that, yeah, I think that's the most memorable. I mean, I've... I've met most of the uh, legends and worked with most of the legends, um, Kid Capri, Jazzy Jeff, um, SNS, you know, a lot, a lot of the big time cats. Um, but you know, not, nothing, nothing's more than more, more uh, memorable than my own experiences than even meeting those guys. Like you know, I look up to a lot of those guys, but you know, J- Jazzy Jeff is legendary. Like one. Watching him play is incredible, but outside of that, you know, it's like just like my own experiences and 
uh, oh, that's another memorable moment. Um, I did a Stone Soul picnic out here with a uh, artist, uh, Paul Campbell, I was managing, and that was my first time doing like a major uh, tour type uh, stage and just looking out to that crowd. You know, I'm opening up, you know, getting the crowd hyped up for her before she comes out on the stage and playing the music and everything. But looking out to that crowd and seeing a uh, hundred thousand people, as far as you can see, going back, that shit, that shit was incredible. That, that that was amazing to me. And you know, and you know, just you know, and ironically, like most people would say, "Oh, did you get nervous? Did you freeze up?" Nah, that just motivated me to go harder. Yeah, that's that was probably the most memorable, other than like I said, it being overseas, being the Japan thing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Minutes Heard. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, and follow or subscribe to Minute Made New York on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube. Do you have a minute?